This is the Transmission Times, a mini special on faith and the pandemic. What exactly are we scared of when it comes to coronavirus? Ultimately, it's death. Nobody wants to die. Nobody wants their loved ones to die. Nobody wants to be the reason that another person dies. That said, through my faith journey, I have really detached myself from this fear of death. I have a healthy fear of it. It's not like I'm going to go out and start jaywalking in the middle of downtown and hope for the best. Like I'm still using caution. I follow traffic signs. I go to the doctor. I'm living in this world and I'm doing my best to stay here for as long as God wants me to be on this earth. But I also have come to the conclusion that I do not want to live forever. And there is so much freedom in saying that. I mean, sweet Jesus, please don't let me live on this earth (laughs) forever and ever. It's miserable, right? Like, no, thank you. There has to be something greater than this. This can't be it. And so I believe in heaven. And I believe that, you know, hopefully at the end of my life, that's where I will end up. And if death is what I'm scared of, I'm actually looking forward to what happens after that. And so it takes that fear away. It's funny because the thing that really knocked me down in this pandemic wasn't my husband getting laid off or having our plans to take a sabbatical year put on hold or the kids' school closing or having to miss out on a trip we'd really been looking forward to with my extended family. It was this little moment in August when all at once our life just kind of stopped feeling sustainable. We had just learned that our school would be continuing with distance learning, which wasn't a surprise. We expected that, but, you know, we thought we'd be okay. And then the friends that we had kind of assumed would be doing life with us, we found out that they were pairing up with somebody else and they were not able to partner with us. And then the wildfires came to California and for a little while we had the worst air in the world and we couldn't even go outside. And then our preschool shut down because one of the teachers had COVID. And I mean, this all happened in like a 48 hour period and it just felt like overnight our life had gone up in flames. (laughs) So we packed up as much of our lives as we could fit in our car and we left. We rented our house to our friends and We drove across the country to be near my husband's family. I have memories of my son being delighted with remote learning and being ecstatic when his report card for the fourth quarter came back with all A's. And he was convinced that remote learning was the most brilliant thing ever. The smile on his face is hard to describe. It was luminous, I would say. We've been here in Massachusetts for a little over a month, and I still really miss our life in California. I miss our friends and our neighborhood and our church and our school 
miss the weather and the running trails and the bike rides in the Oakland Hills and our little house even and the lemon and orange trees in our backyard. You know, there was a lot about our life that was really sweet there. But there's also a real sweetness about our life here that I'm trying to not overlook. Our life is really small here. It's just being around the kids and my in-laws and working on the podcast. It's exactly the same every single day. And, you know, for once I'm okay with that. It feels like kind of a relief to have life be so straightforward. I also will always remember the generosity of my mother-in-law who was staying with us visiting when the pandemic first started and the shutdown here in Chicago began. She stayed with us for two and a half months because she knew that two parents working full-time could not supervise remote learning for a 10-year-old boy effectively. I think we are learning about how to be the family that we've really tried and failed to be for a really long time. I mean, we're learning how to have fun together again. I think we're learning how to relax, how to let Sunday be a true Sabbath where we don't have to accomplish anything and where we give ourselves permission to just not do any work. And yeah, our future is totally uncertain and... You know, it's been a year of loss, but I think maybe the best thing that's come from this time is just realizing that contentment is not actually about having great circumstances or even security. I think contentment is learning to find gratitude no matter what's going on and just learning to look around you and be not just grateful, but delighted by what you have. The lowest point of this time will never leave my mind. It was a suicide attempt for me. And I had had a very difficult year beginning at the end of November 2019. I had a failed surgical intervention in January. I had to make a very difficult decision about future employment in April after the pandemic had already instigated a shutdown in Chicago about three weeks before. The school year ended on a low note for me. I was in a cycling accident in July and so that coupled with an upcoming surgery to remove one of my organs all combined together to make life seem overwhelming and then when my son's own mental illness started flaring up this fall I couldn't take it anymore. It has been extremely humbling, but there has been good that has resulted from this. 
humility and newly vivid awareness of exactly how much I depend on God's daily, hourly, and even God's minute-by-minute presence. Our parish also made these lawn signs back probably in March and the March beginning of April when this all really was like heavy. And it says, be not afraid, hope will prevail. And I've looked at that sign so many times in my times of fear, both with pandemic and with parenting and with marriage, like all these, you know, hardships and just look out there and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, hope, hope, hope. My faith has really reminded me of who I am and that I'm not in control and that it's actually okay that I'm not in control. There's this great parable that Jesus tells to help people understand what God is like. And it's the story about a family and the youngest son asks his dad for his inheritance while his dad is still alive, which would have been like a huge insult. And so the son goes off and squanders all this money and becomes destitute. And he knows he's insulted his dad so much that there's basically no way he can ever go back. But finally, he just gets so desperate that he goes back and his plan is like, okay, I'm going to just beg my father not to take me back as his son, but to like make me his lowest level hired hand just so he can survive. But... His father sees him in the distance and he runs to him and he is like praising God that he's alive. And then he throws a huge party. That's like his first reaction. He's just so glad that he's home and everything's forgiven. And, you know, I love that picture of God. It just reminds me that no matter how much of a mess I am, God actually doesn't see me that way. He doesn't see a mess. He's just really glad I'm home. When I really get that, that is about the deepest comfort that I know. I would say I'm a spiritual person. I believe in a God. So I would say if anything, this time in my life has given me more space to explore that spirituality and how we are all connected and we think of ourselves as individuals, but really we're a part of a whole. And what we do matters. And this more than anything has shown us that. You know, when you read the Bible, if you actually read the Bible, we're told to love our enemies and actually to pray for the people who are not treating us well. And I just wonder what the church might look like if we actually did that. Like, how different would we be as a world if not even everybody, just Christians, just people who ascribe to this faith, if we actually did that? I just wonder, would we be in this place that we're in right now? It's really our job while we're here, while we have the time on the planet to help make it a better place for everyone not take people's rights away, to not make life harder for people? How can we do what we can do with the resources we have to make life better for everyone and not just for ourselves?
always in my life, the moments where I have felt closest to God have been either immediately before or immediately after the lowest moments of my life. Learning my mom cheated on my dad. I had to take sacrament from a very toxic ex one time. I was told to apply for another job. Of course, the suicide attempt. And I really don't know what to do with that. It does seem like intimacy with God really ought to be possible without painful experiences. But that hasn't been my experience. I'm reminded always when I think about this odd feature of my faith, this quote from the novel Till We Have Faces, which is by C.S. Lewis, And he says, holy places are dark places. It is life and strength, not knowledge and words that we get in them. Holy wisdom is not clear and thin like water, but thick and dark like blood. That's it. (laughs) That's, That's what holy places are for me. They've always been thick and dark and horrible and wonderful and beautiful and brutal but I would never not want to be there and I would never not want the life and the strength that are now mine as a result of living into and through those holy places. Hi friends, I know it's a really difficult time for so many people right now. If you're feeling desperate and like you might take your own life, please reach out to a friend or family member or even the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. They're open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and it's completely confidential. You can call them on 1-800-273-8255. Take care of yourselves, friends. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Laura, Amanda, Angela, and Lauren whose voices are coming to you from Massachusetts, Illinois, New Hampshire, and Singapore. Since the beginning of lockdown, the Transmission Times has been collecting audio diaries from people around the world. But there are many stories we haven't heard, and I really would love to hear all of them. If you want to tell your story, you can do it in one of two ways. Record on your smartphone using an app like Voice Memos, and email it to us at transmissiontimes at gmail.com or call 847-354-4163 and leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. The Transmission Times is created by me, Katie Semro. Caught in between